This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 115, Comic Reviews of the Week of Wednesday, October the 30th. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 115, the Comic Reviews episode for, uh, I guess, Wednesday, October the 30th. I am your host, Adam Chapman. Thank you for joining us uh, for another reviews episode. Um, just a little bit of housekeeping before we move into this week's comics. Um, once again, apologies, this episode's going up a little bit late. It's going up on uh, late Tuesday, November the 5th. Um, so new comics come out tomorrow, so unfortunately we're a little bit late on the uh, on the draw this time around. Uh, the next episode, episode 116, will be coming out on... Probably the seventh, uh, so that's the Thursday. Um, probably midnight on Thursday. So just as it changes from uh, Wednesday to Thursday, there'll be episode one sixteen, which is a uh, uh, X Men Battle of the Atom uh, wrap up discussion that I'll be having with Paul Scores. It's, it runs about two hours fifteen minutes, so it's a, a nice, healthy, and lengthy conversation. Um, next week, episode one eighteen will be the uh, the Thor: The Dark World episode uh, that I'll be looking at that uh, that film with. Uh, uh, Tibor Mate, who's been on previous episodes this past summer, uh, he's done a bunch of the movie spotlights that we did, so he'll be joining me for uh, for this week's, or sorry, for next week's episode as we uh, watch Thor. We're actually seeing it on opening day on November the 8th, so uh, we'll be recording it that night, and then the episode will go up the following week. Um, future episodes, not really sure where it's going to be uh, kind of in the pipeline after that. Um, you know, we got, so, I mean, I don't know which kind of episodes are going to be up, so... You know, if you have an interest in potential things you'd like to have either myself or Paul Scores talk about uh, in an upcoming episode, let us know. Um, we're still kind of thinking, uh, trying to come up with ideas for uh, an episode to come out on the uh, 20th and 27th. Uh, those are two upcoming episodes that we don't know what are what they're going to be yet. Those will be episodes, I guess, uh, uh, 120 and 122. So we're, we're getting up there, slowly. Anyways, um... Let's move on to this week's uh, comics, or this past week's comics anyway. Uh, the DC side, there wasn't a lot of releases. Um, it basically was a fifth week, um, so instead they threw a bunch of annuals at us uh, with a varying degree of success. Uh, the first one we're going to look at is Aquaman Annual Number 1. Um, I nah, I didn't really, really like this. Uh, it's by a, excuse me, it's by a strander who has written some uh, recent... Uh, Aquaman kind of fill-in issue. Um, so you have him kind of reuniting the others, and theoretically this is a good comic. It could be a good comic. You have this character showing up to kind of... Um, she, well, I forget what her even name is, but basically the idea is that she's trying to uh, pre- prevent the, the, the death of the world, and um, she's trying to get this, this power from uh, one of the artifacts that the others have. She takes on the ar- the others... Um, the issue, again, theoretically could be interesting, but the problem is that there's a large uh, portion of the issue which just is a long, tedious, you know, every character has one or two pages where they have this, you know, idyllic life because it's all in their mind and suddenly they're confronted by a character from their past in some way who basically says, like, can you, will you give up what you think you know to kind of join with me? And it's, it's subtle mind control and it's very tedious because every single character gets this, this moment. Um, when if you saw one or two and then they discussed, they discussed it afterwards or whatever, it would have the same impact, but seeing it multiple times really felt like padding and not like it was a strong story decision. Um, it's written by John Ostrander, penciled by Geraldo Borges and Netho Diaz. 
Um, not really familiar with either of these artists. The art's okay. It's 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 average. Some of the Aquaman specific artwork is pretty good, but at times the uh, the artwork of the others is not that strong. Um, to go back, uh, this is I think one of the first comics I read this past week, and I found myself extremely bored by. It. I think it took me like an hour and a half to read it because I felt kept falling asleep. Uh, the others are interesting characters, but there's not a lot of meat in this. Like it's it's very kind of slow in plotting. You have this character who's trying to get this artifact. She takes the artifact, but then the others have to kind of band together to try and stop her. Um, when they finally do come together, then they get transported, as I said, to this kind of world where they're confronted by you know a loved one and they're trying to force with the decision to make and then they kind of all escape from this and then they go attack you know face facing this this creature uh one of the others turns on them um and then they kind of fight it off and then eventually they win like that that's basically it it feels very paint by numbers it feels padded out it didn't need to be an annual um i like seeing more stories about the others i just don't think that this was a very good way to do it uh i give it a mm, I was going to give it a 6. I'm actually going to give it a 5. Like, it it was middle. Very middle of the road. It wasn't necessarily bad. It just it left me very indifferent. And that's not a good thing. Um, next up is Avengers number 22. Uh, this was pretty good. Uh, this was a solid issue. Um, you have uh, Jonathan Hickman writing it with art by uh, Lionel Francis Yu. And another great cover. Um, the covers have been relatively bland in some ways in terms of they're all kind of similar and color palettes aren't that different but I do like the look of it with uh, Captain America, Thor, and Hyperion on the cover um, so this kind of picks up off of what we've kind of seen in Infinity so you have um, the issue kind of opens up with uh, apparently um, Smasher and Cannonball are making out and Sunspot's kind of breaking up their good time which is kind of awkward it feels weird because at times what what makes Hickman a really good writer is sometimes his big story ideas, but not necessarily the characterization. That's a, a, a major overgeneralization of his writing, so it's not meant to be like, you know, a real, you know, well thought out reasoning uh, dissertation of his work. But at times it feels like he's got such big story concepts that sometimes the character parts don't work as well. That's not always true because obviously his uh, his examination of Thor and Hyperion's uh, friendship uh, in earlier issues of Avengers was quite strong. But here, I don't know the 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 back and forth with um, Cannonball and uh, and Sunspot didn't quite feel I don't know accurate to these characters or who they've been in this book. It just felt like an odd placement. Um, but maybe that's also because he hasn't had a lot of time to really fully develop these characters as much as the rest. And the other characters are obviously much more fully formulated anyway. Uh, and from here we switch to Titan and we see, um, you know, these, these characters that are on Titan and they uh, end up get, kind of getting taken out because you have um, the Avengers and some of the Imperial Guard basically securing Titan uh, because they're slowly moving and uh, they're taking over Titan, they're taking out Thanos' troops, so that they're slowly making their way back to Earth now that they've basically defeated the Builders, which is chronicled in Infinity Number 5. Um, then we move back to the peak, and we get to see uh, the Swords headquarters, and how they're kind of dealing with everything. Um, uh, this felt a little bit like filler, like it, it just it kind of angry characters being angry. Um, then you have uh, Captain America basically saying, like, we've got information from Iron Man who's on the ground. We figured out what's going on with Thanos and what's going on on our, on our planet. We have to go, you know, go and stop Thanos from what he's been doing, and we have to go save the Earth, basically. He's trying to come up with a, 
they're kind of showing how they're going to do this and uh it's an interesting kind of comic to kind of see how their preparations for war are working um and also seeing uh now i forget his name eaton uh i guess basically gatefolds what prodigy son i don't forget who he is originally i really like how he's being developed in this book uh he has a great and this is another way that sometimes hickman's characterization is extremely strong because there's a great um uh, conversation between Thor and Eden here, and Eden's not really sure about his place in the world because he's kind of been confront, like thrown into like a pretty crazy world, um, and he's a huge part of being able to teleport all these characters. So he is, plays a large role, and it's interesting seeing Thor kind of giving him a talking to, a good one, um, you know, to kind of build him up. It was, I thought that was actually a really nice touch. Uh, I gave the issue an eight and a half out of ten fairly strong um at times we spent a like you know that one page where we kind of had the establishing shot in titan maybe didn't need to be there uh the couple pages a page or two on the uh the peak maybe didn't need to be there like there's a few odd decisions um in terms of the pacing but overall it's still quite an entertaining book good artwork uh by lana francis hughes so it was still an entertaining read for sure uh next up is oh boy damien son of batman uh, this is a gigantic mess. Um, I remember, I, I think I read an advanced review of it, and it wasn't very, um, it wasn't glowing in terms of its, what it was saying about it. And I was like, well, I'll give it a shot, because I like, I like Andy Kubert quite a lot. Um, so I read this. Now, Andy Kubert both wrote and wrote, wrote, sorry, wrote and illustrated this book. Uh, it's kind of a, like an Elseworlds style, or it, it's not really clear exactly. I guess it's basically said in the Batman 666 kind of universe style. Um, obviously, in this version, um, you have Damien kind of growing up as Robin. Um, and he doesn't die, obviously. Um, oh, man, I don't even know where to start with this. Because this was just such a mess. Um, you start with... Uh, first of all, you have... Uh, what, what year is it supposed to be? Some years from now. So, you have a slightly older version of... Um, of uh, Damien as Robin. However, on the first establishing shot that they have, it's this classic kind of Batman gritting his teeth, and then you have Robin kind of making this weird exclamation. It's a weird, weird panel choice for the first thing you see, and at times it felt like Robin was very young, and part of that's also with like the first thing we have him saying is "holy crap," so he doesn't feel like he's an older, an older version of him. And then that first splash page you have. Again, with the way that the um, the hood is on Robin's head, he doesn't look old enough to really be an adult or even like a like a late teen. He still looks a bit like a kid. So I was a little confused with how old, you know, Robin was supposed to be. And then the way he's talking also seems like he didn't really grow up at all. And that kind of I just felt really frustrating. And there's no empathy in the character in the way he's really been written at the beginning. Um, even the way Batman's being written doesn't feel really accurate, and the way that Batman like, dies, or I guess potentially quote-unquote dies, because I don't know for sure, um, it's really kind of lame, and like that's what kills him. Uh, it's, uh, it basically looks like an exploding fish. Um, and then you have this weird shot of Batman, uh, sorry, Robin, and it looks like he's got like basically um, uh, like metal points on his knuckles like so is he punching people and basically killing them or like brutalizing their faces like i just thought that part of the costume detail didn't make a lot of sense um i found the art very inconsistent in this book in terms of how old it made robin look um it just didn't feel consistent uh the 
Yeah, and the, and the the way it was written was pretty poor. Um, you have uh, Damien again the, when Damien goes and visits his family. So basically, Ravagul and Tylagul. Um, he looks much older than he did earlier in the book. Now he looks like he's in his twenties, but he's supposed to be like just a few days before. And then you have these shots of him basically brutalizing the rest of the rogues. Um, not rogues, but um, you know Batman's villains, uh, basically to hunt down whoever may have killed his dad. Um, and I just found it was very, very violent. And and there's this weird part with uh, Robin going, and I guess it's supposed to be Commissioner Gordon, basically acting as like a priest and who's confessing to. Um, this was just a mess. Uh, it wasn't very good. Uh, I didn't like that Robin was doing anything like most of this stuff. Uh, the, the last page doesn't seem to make a lot of sense either. I don't know what that's going to mean. Um, I just found, like, the artwork was not the best I've ever seen by, uh, by, uh, Andy Kubert, even though he's one of my favorite artists. Um, it was, the storytelling was relatively weak. I gave him maybe a three and a half for the writing, sorry, for the art. Um, one and a half for story, which gives us about, uh, I guess a five out of ten. Like, it, this, this book is just a huge mess, um. Yeah, I, I, it's only getting a five because they are the art's really blowing it up. Otherwise, it was kind of a mess. Um, next up is Forever Evil Argus, uh, number one. This wasn't very good either. Um, this was the only, I guess, non non annual issue that DC put out, or and non miniseries. Uh, sorry, not true. So the two miniseries books and mostly uh, mostly annuals. Uh, this wasn't very good. Um, I this is obviously a very direct tie-in to the current Forever Evil storyline. Um, I give this maybe a six out of ten, and I'm being a little bit charitable there. Um, you have the artwork is by let's see, it's one of the tans. Which tan is it? Uh, let's see, I'm just flipping through. See what I liked about the issue is that you had some of like these glimpses of what Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor's relationship was originally like. So that part I liked. It's written by Sterling Gates, artwork by Philip Tan, Neil Edwards, and Javier Pina. So there's way too many pencilers on a on a miniseries. Um, you have the idea at the beginning that like something's... See, this is what frustrates me about this book. So you have part of the issue is this recap of um, you know what it was like when Steve Trevor first went down to Paradise Island, when Wonder Woman found him. Um, then you're flashing back to the present when he kind of wakes up and Argus has been kind of more or less decimated. Um, and he's kind of trying to remember what happened when the CSA showed up. Um, the fact that the CSA isn't, hasn't totally ripped apart Argus is kind of odd. Um, you have the idea here that something has definitely happened to Amanda Waller. She's kind of disappeared because she's in a different book. You have... You know all all these villains potentially on the run. Uh, you have Doctor Light's. You know the question about Doctor Light is still happening. Um, again, a, a big issue here is that the artwork continues to fluctuate um, because you have three different pencilers and it's really being very inconsistent. Um, I like the flashbacks to again to Trevor and and Wonder Woman as they go through, and even having Trevor dealing with uh, Barack Obama and seeing kind of their rapport and how Argus got started. That's not bad. That's interesting. But it's the current stuff I found was really lacking um, and kind of just very uninteresting. Uh, even having Deathstroke show up wasn't that great either. Uh, and Copperhead, like who cares? Um, I'm excited to see. It looks like maybe Doctor something's going on with Dr. Light that I'm interested in because that was obviously a huge kind of thing that happened in the middle of... Um, 
the Trinity Wars, that you had the so-called Death of Dr. Light, so I'm excited to see what comes from that. Um, but otherwise, this is just kind of like a mess of a book that didn't quite sure, wasn't sure of its identity and what it wanted to be. Um, it was trying to be an introspective look at Steve Trevor, but at the same time, being a Forever Evil tie-in, and that part very was very uninteresting to me. Um, I kind of think that I would just buy a miniseries looking at kind of like the year one of Wonder Woman. Like we had, uh, we're seeing Batman Zero Year now to kind of show the origin of Batman in the New 52. You have Action Comics when it first launched had a, kind of the history of Superman in the New 52. You had the Justice League book kind of showing the history of how the team first formed. I want to see a, a Wonder Woman year one, essentially, for the New 52 because I want to see how Steve Trevor's relationship with her really fluctuated. Like, how it went down and because they've they've given you a little piece bits and pieces here and there and it's been interesting and again in here is i was actually really interested in seeing how that relationship was deepening and being developed but then we we flip away to the crap i don't care about um so i gave this a six out of ten uh, then we have Infinity number five. Uh, this is, you know, technically speaking, comes before the Avengers issue that I read. Um, I really liked it. I gave it an eight out of ten. Um, I think overall it's been a fairly good event, although at times it's an event that is very choppy and hard to read. Um, and what I mean by that is that just because you have two major theaters of war, and it's interesting, it'll be interesting to read it all collected, I think, uh, or at least to sit down and read it all at once. Um, and to kind of see if it does make sense to just kind of read all the parts that are in space and then kind of flip and then just read all the stuff that takes place with Thanos on Earth um, because they are two distinct stories um, that are quite different from each other. Uh, this issue is with artwork by Opania and Weaver. Uh, obviously, it's written by Hickman. It felt like things with the builders went a little bit too fast after the last issue, but... Um, you know, it's it's like with anything. You build up a really huge threat, and then you got to take them down at the same time somehow, as well as you have all these other threats going on. Um, here we have basically the aftermath of the revolt against the Builders. Uh, you have, because of, you know, people across the universe seeing Thor basically destroy uh, some of the, the Builders, uh, it inspires others to do it as well. Uh, so all across the universe, uh, people are really revolting and fighting back against the Builders, and they're taking them all out. And you have the Avengers and the Imperial Guard basically sweeping through and taking care of business. Um, we've seen Interstellar War relatively recently with Annihilation, so it's not like this is the first time this has happened. But I like the last time... Like, in Annihilation, it was interesting because you really didn't have a lot of name players. Uh, you didn't have a whole squad of Avengers, for example. You had a few here and there. You had Nova kind of leading things. You had him dealing with Peter Quill, uh, who is a lot more famous and well-known now as Star-Lord. Um, but it was a lot more localized, and you had, like, it felt like grunt troops fighting a war and then you had a few super powered combatants that were trying to, to help turn the tide here it feels a lot more there's just a lot more of uh these super powered beings and part of it's uh, as much as like the builders their mechanisms and their technology was much superior they weren't as scary an actual threat and these alefs weren't the same type of threat that uh that the annihilation bugs were like those were terrifying because they were just destroying things and because they're basically just like a high bet by uh, bug mentality being run by annihilus uh it's just an interesting parallel and i one thing that makes me think about that as well as um i'm i've mentioned before on the podcast i'm a huge fan of collected editions and i'm um a fan of the uh the board marvel masterworks.com uh which is a fantastic board for those who are really interested in how collections come out and kind of just being really kind of nose to the ground on what collections are being solicited, etc. Um, there's an Amazon fish, basically, of uh, someone seeing something that's coming out late next year for an Annihilation omnibus, 
so Annihilation is definitely on my mind. Um, I actually have the three hardcover volumes that they already released for the uh, Annihilation, the first Annihilation anyway. Uh, but I'm thinking, seriously considering what's selling them. Uh, if anyone's interested online, uh, let me know. Because um, I'll definitely try and give you a relatively good price. I mean, they are out of print and they are worth something. Um, but I think I kind of want to trade up to the Omnibus. Uh, it's all a matter of taste. I mean, the Omnibus is obviously a lot harder to read. Uh, than just you know a simple hardcover, especially when three hardcovers become one giant hardcover. But I just love the omnibus format, um, even though it at times can be quite unwieldy, t- depending on how big the volume is. Um, anyways, back to Avengers. I'm sorry, Infinity. So you, uh, and then you have this kind of cute thing where you know everyone's kind of raising the Avengers stat- standard across all these worlds because they got so inspired by the Avengers. It wasn't their own. You know, their own, it wasn't the Galactic Empires or it wasn't these, you know, Imperial Alliances or whatever it might be. They weren't what turned the tide. It was one man with a hammer and he was wearing the Avengers kind of, you know, uh, standard. He, the Avengers are what helped save the galaxy in this case. So everyone's kind of, you know, honoring that. And so the idea of everyone being part of an Avengers world takes on an even greater concept than we realized when um, Avengers World was first announced at NYCC. So it's interesting to see them actually calling it that. And then we get on to the more uh, Earth-based uh, side of things, where you have um, Thane, Thanos' son, uh, has kind of realized what his powers are, and they cause this death. And he deals with um, this uh, one of Thanos' uh, minions, I forget which one this is, and he basically gets in, uh, given this armor that will protect him and keep his powers in check, and... Um, and it's and it ends up obviously he's been tricked. Thane is now Thane is now in a containment field and he can't escape. We flash to uh, the necropolis and we see Thanos's minions uh, trying to uh, figure out how to work the bombs that uh, have recently been developed in New Avengers uh, to help stave off uh, the incursions. And then we flash back, not flash back, but we we switch back to the Illuminati who've just dealt with uh, an incursion and they're dealing with you know we got to figure out what we have to do, where we have to go to help. The Earth right now, uh, Black Bolt's been kind of messed with by Thanos' minions again to find out more about uh, how to access the bombs that were in the Necropolis. You have you know, the Illuminati find out what's going on with Wakanda, but also find out that they have to kind of save, um, uh, they have to save Black Bolt and save the bombs that are uh, that are in the Necropolis. And unfortunately, that's a really hard toll for uh, or a price for. Um, uh, Black Panther would have to pay because he has to basically abandon Wakanda uh, in order to move along and uh, save the world. Then we move to Thanos, you know, prepared to destroy his son. And then at the same time, we have, you know, they basically that something's happened in space because um, the Avengers have, you know, with their allies, the Super Scroll, the Roman, the Kuzer, Gladiator, etc., they are marshaling all the uh, all the forces of all these empires one last time to be on flown under the Avengers flag to basically uh, go save Earth because in all the melee, uh, Earth has been left undefended and um, now they're you know kind of in big trouble. Which is only weird because like if you've been reading the Avengers and the Avengers tie-ins, there hasn't really been a lot made of the fact that Thanos' forces are everywhere. It's There's a lot of other tie-ins that I don't think a lot of people are reading. Like there's Infinity Heist, there's Infinity the Hunt, I don't. I think I read one issue of one of those, and that was it. Uh, I haven't really been reading Mighty Avengers either, uh, or even the Thunderbolts tie-in. So like, there's a bunch of books that have been dealing with like this so-called war and invasion, but it doesn't really feel like it's that big a deal because the way that Hickman's developed it is that you know, yes, they're looking for Thane, but that was kind of it. 
Um, plus, there's not enough made of the whole inhumanity thing. Like, obviously, inhumanity is coming out of the idea that all these inhumans across the around the world are going to be experiencing uh, the, the terrogenesis. But uh, there is some uneven aspects to how the storyline has been developed. That being said, let's talk about just the issue at hand. I would give it an eight out of ten. Very solid. Um, I don't know if it's actually. You know, I'll give it an eight and a half because if I gave Avengers. Eight and a half. I think this one deserves it as well. Uh, the artwork, I think, is a little bit superior um, by Weaver and um, uh, Opeña to what we saw in Avengers, but maybe the story was a little stronger in Avengers, uh, even though you had a few of those pages that, as I said, weren't as important or uh, or necessary, and it felt like padding at times. Um, moving on, we have another DC book, Infinity... Sorry, not Infinity. Uh, Nightwing Annual Number 1. Uh, I gave this six and a half. Uh, this is just kind of a weird book. You have it's very entrenched in the current continuity, which I like, and it definitely feels like an, an interesting story because you have, you know, the idea that Backrose wanted by the Gotham Police because for the death of uh, James Gordon Jr. and Nightwing is basically moving out, and him and Batgirl have a team up. And it was kind of cool to see them teaming up and working together, even though Batgirl isn't really in costume per se. Um, but then there was a lot of things I didn't like, and that it just basically felt like uh, a way for them to kind of say, like, we're not gonna we're not gonna have Nightwing and Batgirl be together, but we're gonna kind of play with the idea and taunt you. And unfortunately, like we've seen them together, we've seen them apart, we've seen them taunt us before. This issue didn't feel like it gave me a lot new. Um, at times, I really liked how Nightwing and Batgirl got along, and seeing you know I flickers of what they were kind of before, almost were. Um, but it wasn't quite enough. Uh, the artwork by, I guess, Jason Mer- Masters with Daniel Sempierre and Vicente Cifuentes was pretty good. Um, the the Firefly story was kind of interesting as well. Um, I don't know. Something about it didn't quite work, but aspects of it worked really well. And, and again, I think the art was kind of like that. At times, the artwork was atrocious. Um, the way it looked made Nightwing look was really poor, but other times it was really strong. Like I was just really torn. Um, the story itself was interesting because you have kind of a, a murder mystery per se. Like you have these deaths and you think it's one person, but they have to kind of find out who's actually causing these deaths. Um, I'm not going to go much more into the detail. I'm running out of time for the podcast, so I might skimp a little bit on the story kind of recap as I did in the last few ish, uh, books I've talked about, but I don't know. I liked it, but uh, maybe not enough. I was going to give it a six and a half. I'm actually going to downgrade that to a six. Uh, the artwork was a little bit too inconsistent for me. Uh, next up is Superior Spider-Man number 20. This is supposed to be a big deal, or at least that's how it was originally uh, kind of pitched. Uh, it was pretty good. I don't think it was a huge deal. There's definitely some interesting aspects of the story. We're definitely moving things along quite quickly. Um, Black Cat is on the cover. She doesn't play a huge part in this issue, but um, it's still good. You got Dan Slott writing it with Giuseppe Camincoli on pencils. Uh, you start off the issue with a flashback to uh, Amazing Spider-Man 700. Um, interested to see what this means or why we're seeing this re- kind of recap of of when Peter died and what the Superior Spider-Man was thinking about. Um, you have this body that suddenly come back to you know waking up and. It's, by the end of the issue, shown to be a uh, stunner, which I am so in love with, because one of my first Spider-Man issues I ended up reading, um, 
was right around this era when Stunner was around. Like, I got into comics right around the Clone Saga, and I wasn't really into Spider-Man to begin with, but when I went back to it, like, I really liked Stunner, and I don't know why, and I love the stuff that Tom DeFalco did with her, and the fact that Tom DeFalco's work on the character is actually being used by Dan Slott. The idea that, you know, it's this larger, heavyset woman that was in love with Otto and was able to use an artificial reality kind of... Again, it was the 90s, so things just happened, but basically, like, a photon like matrix the holographic matrix the hard light i don't know how how they made it work before but basically this hard light construct that, that she projected her consciousness into and was able to be this you know powerful um basically supervillain called stunner not really supervillain but teamed up with doc Ock kind of makes you that way um so she wakes up or there's some issues with her uh, you also have another premonition by um what's her name uh allison not allison i Jessica Drew God not Jessica Drew I'm so all over the place Julia Carpenter uh, the Madam Web uh, she's finally kind of woken up for her comma, comma, coma because the Great Web is coming undone sorry it's been a long day uh, then you have Dazzler waking up and her freaking out because Dr. Octopus is dead uh, you flash back to present day so this is a little bit while ago when this happened and you have Superior Spider-Man you know going on patrol and finding Black Cat Black Cat's trying to kind of uh, flirt with her with him, sorry, and Spider-Man like punches her right in the face, breaks her nose, or costs her, at least knocks out a tooth, but there was a crack, so I thought it broke her nose. Um, he doesn't obviously remember being emotionally involved, or Spider-Man being emotionally involved with her, so he just kind of takes her out and then leaves her there, and so obviously this is going to come back. I mean, I'm sure this isn't all that Slot is going to do with Black Hat. You don't just bring in Black Hat on the cover and just have that be one interaction, him you know, basically leave her out the drive for the police. There's going to be more. Um, you have Peter and Anna Maria having a basically a date uh, on top of or between these two buildings on web fluid. It's nice that sometimes he can just be do Spider-Man things, but not have people think he's Spider-Man. But because he's well established now to have built certain uh, devices and uh, scientific uh, you know things for Spider-Man, so people don't kind of wonder what's going on there. They're just like, yeah, you know, he, he of course he has web shooters. He builds them for Spider-Man. Why wouldn't he have them? Um, I like the idea that Peter is starting his own company, Parker Industries. That's a really cool. Um, the idea that you know J Jonah J Jonah J Jonah Jameson Senior is being involved in uh, in that is really cool as well. Kind of helping to front it, uh, bringing AMA back into the book briefly. Um, you have Shashan again, who I love. Who's whenever she's in, you have again Stunner is doing physical therapy and she's kind of ready to uh, kind of get back to life and and take her vengeance in spider-man um you have everyone kind of you ha go forward a little bit and you see uh peter getting loans to kind of establish parker industries and he's ready to defend his thesis so he can become a doctor um then you have carly cooper kind of working with uh was it yuri yin or i don't know forget her name but the wraith basically she's ready to go to the avengers and uh and um you know, present her proof that something's going on and that maybe Dr. Octopus really is Spider-Man. Uh, you have MJ kind of going to meet with um, the fireman who saved her life recently. And I kind of like that so there's some development with her and actually having maybe a personal life of her own. Um, then we get to the kind of the big event. You have Peter about to get his doctorate. He's defending his thesis. And then uh, the Lamaze character kind of uh, embarrasses him because he, he kind of says, no, I think this is kind of ludicrous in some ways, but, you know, that Peter's work, his, his thesis is based on, you know, uh, prior unfinished, unpublished work from Dr. Octopus. 
uh, and that he's basically a plagiarist and that he doesn't deserve the doctorate and he's going to be run out, he's going to be a, a laughing stock in the community and I mean it's interesting but I feel like Otto one may not well his hubris is pretty crazy so maybe he would have made that mistake but it's unpublished and unfounded like Lamaze could just hate him and be trying to be a dick to kind of stick it to him and uh, people are just going to go along with that because it's unpublished work like that's I don't know how much I'd buy that and then at the end of the issue we have basically Stunner being resurrected and uh, we're going to see Stunner go up against uh, Spider-Man so that should be really quite something I'm interested to see if maybe he he tells her what was really going on they really as Otto or if he just goes fully Spider-Man route uh, it'll be interesting to see I give the issue an 8 out of 10 not as strong as some previous issues but still uh, I still did enjoy it a fair bit um, moving on from here we have uh, what's next here we have Scarlet Spider 23 uh, we're almost uh, done the podcast there's only going to be a couple more books uh, so we've got Scarlet Spider 23 I gave this an 8 out of 10 quite strong um, the book is almost over we're just reaching the end now um, you have a really good uh, confrontation here between Scarlet Spider and Kane and it definitely feels like we've been building up to it for quite a while I do like the cover as well because you have the um, the detail of the different tombs, uh, sorry, tombstones showing people who may or may not have died uh, in this issue. Um, I like that Kane is having to confront like he was a monster, is he a monster? Um, he can he be a hero? Can he be anything but a killer? Uh, the artwork is a little crazy. It's at times not very consistent. It's a little frustrating at times just because this book, when it started, had such a clear, distinctive um, artistic look with Ryan Stegman. And since then, it's never quite been able to achieve the same level of artistic consistency, uh, even in the same artist. Um, this are issues written by Chris Yost and Eric Burnham, artwork by David Baldion, uh, colors by Chris Sotomayor, who does a fantastic job in the colors. Uh, I do like that you have all of Kane's loved ones kind of watching this fight and seeing how it goes down. Uh, you have, um, I forget his name now, but one of, one of, uh, was it Donald? I believe it's Donald. Donald, uh, is, is very hideously injured. Um, and that's definitely going to change the way that this relationship is, is had between, uh, Scott Spider and, um, and his friends. You have him also pretty badly injuring, uh, Anna Craven, uh, you also have him not allowing Craven to die and basically saving his life as well. And um, it's, you know, I, I, I liked it, but at the end of the day, um, you know, there's a major wedge being driven between Kane and his friends. Uh, he is a villain, and he's a bad guy. And at the very end of the issue, you have um, the cop, I, I, sorry, I forget his name, finding a, basically the sh- a shield slash NYC police file on Kane and finding out more about just who is this man that they've led into their lives and that they've championed as a as a potential hero for Houston. Um, it's interesting. I mean, we've got, what, two issues left, and then we have Scott Spider going over to New Warriors, at least for a few issues maybe. Um, interested to see how this is going to wrap up and how it's going to in any way position the character to be in a team book. Um, I don't know if that's the right move for the character just because he does feel like a very much a lone wolf and a very dangerous one who shouldn't be hanging out with children. Um, but we'll see. Um, I like this issue, but regardless of the relatively inconsistent artwork at times, I still gave it an 8. And then we have X-Men Battle of the Atom number 2. Um, I'm not going to say much about this. I gave it about a, a 7. Uh, it wasn't... It was just 
there's a little bit all over the place. Now, if you go by the credits on the front page, on the cover, you'd be incorrect. It's not by Frank Cho, but instead the artwork is by a, a different team. Um, let me just check who did the artwork on this book. We have Assad Ribic with Giuseppe Camincoli on pencils, and you have Andrew, Andrew Curry and Tom Palmer on finishes. Uh, you have two different colorists. You have Jason Aaron writing it. And then you have a bunch of epilogues. The epilogues are by, uh, one is by Jason Aaron, Giuseppe Camincoli, another one by Brian Wood and Christopher Anka, and then another one by Jason Aaron and Chris Bacalo, and then another one by Brian Michael Bennis and Stuart Eminem. Um, this event kind of went all over the place. The artwork here is very inconsistent, very sketchy, not the best work by Ripic I've ever seen. Um, the inking could have been a lot stronger. The colors could have been a lot more defined. Um... I'm not going to say much else besides the rating, and the only reason for that is that if you want to know more about X-Men Battle of the Atom number 2, you should listen to the recap episode that we do in two days, um, which will look at the entire event in much more of a, um, a not elongated, but uh, much more kind of drawn-out fashion as we kind of go in-depth, um, and that's where, if you really want to know more about it, you should check that out. Anyways, that is uh, that is every book that I had a chance to read and review this week. Uh, the books that remained untouched were Action Comics Annual Number Two, Avengers AIA Five, Captain America Living Legend Two, Cataclysm Zero Point One, Deadpool Kids Deadpool Number Four, Green Lantern Annual Number Two, Guardians of the Galaxy Number Eight, Kickass Three Number Four, Punisher Trial of the Punisher Number Two, Saga Number Fifteen, Salmon Overture Number One, Smallville Season Eleven Special Number Three, Superior Spider-Man Team Up Special Number One, Swamp Thing Annual Number Two, Teen Titans Annual Number Two, Thor Crown of Fools Number One, Ultimate Comics Maximum Number Thirty Three, and Uncanny X Force Thirteen. Um, just as a quick kind of looking forward to uh, the coming week's comics, uh, and by coming week I basically mean by the time this goes up tomorrow, or if you downloaded this on Wednesday, today's comics, uh, I just want to kind of give a quick once over as to what I'm most excited about uh, coming for the coming week, uh, not that you cared or asked, but I'm giving it to you anyway, um, so the things that are coming up this coming week, uh, well one thing I do want to mention is that I'm excited about um, I just recently purchased uh, the uh, Avenger, sorry, Amazing Spider-Man Big Time Ultimate Collection Volume One. I think it came out last year. Uh, they have a new volume coming out soon, um, so I decided that uh, I wanted to pick it up and go backwards to start collecting all that stuff in trade. Since I started picking up Superior Spider-Man in trade as well as my singles, I thought, well, why don't I kind of do Big Time as well? And if I'm hoping that they'll do basically up to 700 eventually in these Ultimate Collections. Uh, at some point, I'd like, I hope, I wish they would go back and do all the big, uh, not big time, brand new day, but I doubt it. Uh, and it's really expensive to kind of go back and buy all those issues and trade. Um, but I would like to at some point. I'd also love to get the Ultimate Collections by JMS. But I just, I had a chance, and I think I still could. I think they're all available still, but I keep putting it off because I don't want to do them one at a time. I, I don't want to make sure I get them all at once, and that's like a hundred and at least $130 for all of them, and I have all those issues, and part of me wants to sell those issues, part of me wants to keep them, because I love having all the Amazing Spider-Man issues since I started back in 96 buying Amazing Spider-Man, so it's this weird kind of uh, battle within myself as to what to do uh, with those. Anyways, books that are coming out this coming week, so we have, from DC, a particular note, uh, we have Action Comics 25, which is a zero-year tie-in, uh, you've got uh, a new issue of Batman Superman, which I haven't really been following myself. You have a zero-year tie-in of Detective Comics. 
there, I haven't re- read the preview for Earth 217 yet, but apparently there's a major spoiler in the preview, so I'm staying away from that. I'm not too sure how I feel now that, um, uh, what's his name, James Robinson's off the book. You have Forever Evil number 3 coming out. You have a zero-year tie-in of Green Arrow. Uh, man, everyone's getting involved in this. Uh, uh, you have, what else, a new issue of Superman Unchained. I don't think I read issue 3, so I don't even know if I'll be able to understand that if I pick it up. Um, and then image-wise, you have East of West 7. I finally picked up the trade, so I'm just two issues behind in East of West. I haven't read the trade yet, though. I'm thinking about getting back into it. Um, and Happen Projects Volume 3, the trade's coming out soon. I double-dip happily with every uh, every time a trade comes out. Um, and then on the Marvel side of things, you have the Avengers West Coast Omnibus Volume 2 coming out. I've decided to stay away from it just because I think eventually all that material will be in trade paperback format because it was already in the Marvel Premiere Classic before they discontinued that line and all those books eventually made it the trade, so I'm kind of waiting on that. Uh, Amazing X-Men number one is coming out, which is kind of a big deal. Um, you have, now this is for me huge, Daredevil by Frank Miller and uh, Klaus Janssen on the bus. It's a new printing. Uh, it's been out of print for a while now. It's very expensive for the first printing, but I'm very excited to get the new version of it. I'm hoping that they eventually reprint the Companion because that would have Born Again, uh, the Electra uh, OGN that uh, Frank Miller did. So uh, I'm very excited to finally have this. I've had one of the first kind of trade paperbacks I was buying in the early 2000s was a Daredevil Visionaries by Frank Miller. Um, I'd be more than happy to eventually get rid of my trades and just have the nice big hardcover. Uh, just, I mean, my, my trades are fairly weathered because I, I read them a lot when I was in high school. Um, and cause they were just really good stuff. Uh, also for those who love Hawkeye, there's a Hawkeye, uh, hardcover volume one. I already have first two trades. So there's no point in that for me. There's long shot saves them out of the universe, which I think I'm going to give a shot and I'll uh, see how I like that. And um, there's also Thanos Redemption coming out, which is the Thanos, um, I guess, 12-issue miniseries, not miniseries, but 12-issue series, I believe, that led into Annihilation, or kind of prepped the character for where Thanos would be when Annihilation hit, Uh, as well as we have coming up um, Shield Origins, Trade Paperback, which is one of these $8 trades they've been doing, as well as X-Men Legacy 19. Anyways, that is the week ahead, and I've already talked about future episodes of the show. Um, so thank you for joining me uh, for this episode of Comic Shenanigans. You can like us on Facebook. You can also um, please rate us and review us on iTunes. Um, it's the only way to kind of help build the, the, the base for the show, get more people maybe to find it uh, by having more ratings on it, um, and makes it more of a proven commodity for those who might come across it. Um, if you do like the show, tell your friends about it. Maybe they'll uh, appreciate enjoying it appreciate it and enjoy listening to it as well anyways thank you for listening to me ramble on for the last 40 or so minutes about comics that came out last week and i will see you next time bye bye